0: Welcome to Voices from the Front Lines, your Revolutionary Roundtable, Wake Up and Smell the Revolution, and so many other things. If you are hearing this voice, you're on KPFK, the revolutionary home for fighting against the Palestinian genocide, and that is the topic that we're going to be speaking about today. Uh, this is Channing Martinez your co-host of Voices from the Frontlines. we got a couple of things on uh, stack today. First, the biggest thing is we're going to be reading this article that we spoke about in draft form early on Voices from the Frontlines. The Palestinian resistance is winning. The movement must expose and defeat Benjamin Netanyahu's final solution to the Palestinian problem by Eric Mann. We'll be reading that article and talking about it. And then... In our effort to continuously always figure out new things on Voices from the Front Lines, Eric and I went on YouTube and spent about 10 minutes listening to songs um, from around the Palestinian resistance, um, mainly songs that have been, uh, how should I say, um, uh, captioned so that we can understand what they're saying. And we found two uh, really beautiful songs. One is My Blood is Palestinian by... Uh Dami Falestini and then the other one is Stand Up for Revolution a Palestinian rebel song. We'll cut both of those in but I think they are really important songs to you know continue our fight and so with that I'm going to pass it with Eric who's going to introduce this article and we'll talk about it throughout.
1: So hey everybody uh, this is Eric Mann also the co-host of Voices from the Front Lines. Uh, I work. Channing and I, we always say we're co-everything, we do everything together. Um, I think everybody listening to this show, our heart is breaking for Palestine. Uh, When I was working to try to end the war in Vietnam, every day, the napalm, the murdering, the, the screaming and yelling of Vietnamese people shaped my consciousness as well as the screaming and pain of black people. All those still exist, but right now, the struggle of the Palestinian people is, for everybody, the central question facing the world. And it's almost impossible to not do a show about Palestine, because you get it. So I've been working on this article, uh, and I think I have something important to say. And what I mean that is I need your help if you think so to get this article out to people and we'll talk later the concept of the final solution came to me not that it was that original but I read this article by uh, Benjamin Netanyahu called Our Three Prerequisites for Peace (laughs) we must destroy Hamas demilitarize Gaza and deradicalize the whole of Palestinian society And in my article, I said, what does he mean? Netanyahu wants a final solution to the Palestinian problem, the mass annihilation of the Palestinian people. His goal is a Palestine without any Palestinians. So Israel completely occupy all of Palestine and rename it Israel. I was thinking this morning, maybe they'll rename it the United States of Israel to make it look like it's more multinational. That's scary. Yeah, isn't it? The United States of Israel. So, all right, so I want to start, and, and I want to acknowledge, you know, the, my relationship with my wife is apparently a new uh, ongoing segment in the show, but Leanne oh. Hurst and I have been together for almost 50 years. Uh, and similar to me and Channing, we do everything together. Every article she writes, I edit Every article I write, she edits. But it's not just edit. We, we go over drafts. We talk politically. We, we help shape each other's consciousness. So this is under my byline. But everything I do is really the product of both of our work. And thanks, Leanne. I really appreciate it. Um, so I have a couple of frames for the article. Obviously, I've been thinking a lot about genocide since I was a kid, because I'm a Jew from Brooklyn. My mother was a fierce anti-fascist. My father fought in World War II against the fascists. Six million European Jews were murdered. Uh, Genocide was something we talked about, and from five or six or four, my family talked to me about it. When I moved into the, moved into, when I, yeah, when I moved into the black community and the black movement, We talked about genocide all the time. It was pretty obvious that we were seeing a genocide in front of our faces. When we worked on ending the war in Vietnam, the United States murdered 4 million people. We talked about genocide then. But this is the clear and present danger of the immediate genocide in front of our face. It's not the only one, but it's the most heartbreaking and prevalent. It starts with even more heartbreaking news that after thinking we might have had Genocide Joe on the ropes, the U.S. Senate and House, meaning it's a a law, with full support of Genocide Joe Biden, has passed a $93 billion appropriations bill, of which $60 billion will be spent in military aid to the Ukraine to encourage the Ukrainians to keep fighting Russia because the United States wants to kill Russia down to the last Ukrainian and $14 billion in new funding for Israel for military aid to carry out genocide, the latest form of genocide against the Palestinian people and then I just don't even want to laugh, but $9 billion for humanitarian aid, which could only be the humanitarian aid created after they murder everybody in the Ukraine and Russia and Palestine. So pretty terrible. Uh, It continues. So what's the purpose of why I'm doing this writing? Um, I think I always write mainly for organizers. And sometimes I think today's organizers don't read very much. They don't theorize very much. And I've been trying to theorize and theorize this question of what I'm now realizing is this is only the latest and, yes, final solution on the part of Israel to get rid of the Palestinians. And therefore, we have to stand up in every way to at least acknowledge that that's what's happening, a mass annihilation, a mass murder that has nothing to do with Hamas in a certain way. It's all about it was already planned. And obviously, the Hamas rebellion provoked certain things, but it was almost a pre-scripted mass murder that they already had on their agenda. So very briefly, I'm going to go into a lot of it in my article. I've been doing thinking as follows. Genocide is fundamentally, and I'm going to read in the article, the specific UN conventions Is when a government consciously and willfully attacks and oppress people inside its own borders and makes their life miserable. It can be simply asking the Jews to walk down the street with yellow stars is genocide. It can be police occupation. It can be economic, conscious economic deprivation. It's usually uh, associated with violence. But it's always about subjugating, dehumanizing, and destroying the soul and the will of an oppressed people on the part of a government. So it's very important that sometimes I think a lot of people are now saying, oh, what's happening in Gaza was genocide. Yes, it is. But Israel from the very beginning has been a genocidal state. Everything the Zionist movement has done, even before it came to power in Israel, has been genocidal. And this is only the worst form of genocide, which is the final solution, what Hitler meant, is after everything we've tried, our final solution to the Jewish people is to get rid of all the Jews. And now Israel's final solution, if we don't stop them, is to destroy virtually every Palestinian human life. So very briefly, I'm going to just outline with no elaboration some timelines. The genocide began from the minute Zionism was invented. It has been a genocidal theory since the 1880s when it began. Then the genocide moved to getting the British support. Then the genocide moved to mass settlers coming in to Palestine, not as immigrants, not as refugees, but as conquerors and spies. Then the genocide was carried out through the partition of Palestine, in which a significant portion of it was given to Israel. That was a genocide. Then in 1947, the next stage was the Nakba, the forced dispersal of 700,000 Palestinian people. That was the next phase of the genocide then the mass concentration camps and the occupations, to say even for those Palestinians who left and those who remained, they would be in a concentration camp. That was the next form of the genocide. And finally, when Hamas came off with a brilliant tactic of resistance that forced the whole world to finally realize the Palestinian people are not victims, they're armed rebellions, they're armed guerrillas, Now, if we don't stop it, the so-called final solution on the part of Israel against the Palestinian people is there will be no more Palestinian people in the world. Palestine, and you're going to listen to this song where the brother just keeps repeating Palestine, Palestine, Palestine. And I realize that just the name Palestine is something eventually Israel will try to get rid of if we don't stop them. So, with that, I'm going to introduce my article. No, I'm going to start reading my article. Uh, It's very painful. So I'm going to start from the beginning again. The Palestinian resistance is winning, and I mean that. We'll talk about that. The movement must expose and defeat Benjamin Netanyahu's final solution to the Palestinian problem by Eric Mann to be published in Counterpunch soon. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu facing worldwide defeat, desperately tells his isolated supporters that Israel needs absolute victory. On Christmas Day, the Wall Street Journal gave the Prime Minister a worldwide platform to assert his manifesto, our three prerequisites for peace. We must destroy Hamas, demilitarize Gaza, and de-radicalize the whole of Palestinian society. What does he mean? Netanyahu wants a final solution to the Palestinian problem, the mass annihilation, the mass murder of the Palestinian people. His goal is a Palestine without any Palestinians. So Israel can completely occupy all of Palestine and rename it Israel. Now, the Israeli ruling class's direct application of Hitler's final solution to the Jewish question warrants a brief historical reconstruction. So for our listeners, when I say the final solution to the Palestinian problem, almost all of us who have been involved in the anti-fascist resistance, not just Jews, understood that Hitler's term for the wiping out of the Jew was called the final solution. So that's the analogy. If you know it, of course. If you don't know it, that's the point. In 1939... Adolf Hitler gave a speech calling for the mass extermination of all the Jews in Europe. The very term extermination is based on the dehumanization and vilification of the Jewish people. The final solution to the Jewish question was the official codename for the murder of every Jew the Nazis could reach. This policy of deliberate and systematic genocide in Germany and German-occupied Europe was formulated in procedural and geopolitical terms by Nazi leadership in January 1942 at the Wannsee Conference held near Berlin. It culminated in the Holocaust. We saw the murder of 90% of Polish Jews and two-thirds of the Jewish population of Europe. In 1941, Raul Hilberg, author of The Destruction of the European Jews, wrote that in the first phase of the mass murder of Jews, the Nazis created mobile killing units, began to pursue their victims across occupied eastern territories. In the second phase, stretching across all of German-occupied Europe, the Jewish victims were sent to death trains, to centralized annihilation camps built for the purpose of systematic murder of the Jews. That is the final solution we're talking about. That's what was done to the Jewish people. That's now what's being done as we speak to the Palestinian people. From the conceptual and strategic formulation of Zionism in the 1880s to the Israeli mass slaughter and dispersal of more than 700,000 indigenous Palestinian people in 1947 that the Palestinians called the Nakba, the Catastrophe, Israel's very existence was based on genocide. Genocide, the removal of mass murder of indigenous inhabitants, is a central tactical imperative of white European imperialism. The UN Convention on Genocide of 1948 defines genocide as, quote, any of five acts committed with intent to destroy, in whole or in part, a national, ethnic, racial, or religious group. These five acts include the killing of members of the group, causing them serious bodily or mental harm, imposing living conditions intended to destroy the group, prevented births, and forcibly transferring children out of the group. As you can see, every element from the very beginning of what Israel has done to the Palestinian people is genocide we're now discussing different tactics of the genocidal powers against the oppressed. In the folklore of the white European, Christian, and now Jewish imperialist settler, the land is always assumed to be vacant, or in their minds, pre-vacant. The horrible formulation that Palestine was a land without a people, and the Jews were a people without a land, Put forth by the Zionists, rivals the work of Leni Riefenstahl, the German propagandist. In fact, from the outset, the Zionist leaders well understood that the entire world was inhabited. As such, they required the support of the imperialist powers, in this case, England, to displace the Palestinians over which they had genocidal colonial control and carve out a new settler state run by Zionist Jews. What that means is that if you're a Zionist in 1880 and you want to have a so-called Jewish homeland, where are you going to go? <laughs> There's no vacant land. There's nothing left. In fact, there hasn't been vacant land for millions of years, which is the whole key of colonialism. So you're smart, evil, but smart. And you say, well, how are we going to get a homeland? Well. Who owns somebody else's land? Because nobody's going to give you their land. England's not going to give you part of their land. Germany's not going to give you part of their land. But England controls Palestine. England controls other colonies. So let's go to England and say, we want a Jewish homeland, and we want it in Palestine. The British had reasons not to want to give it to them. But over time the European Jews, organizing with the Rothschilds, the most wealthy banking Jews and many others, convinced the British that it would be very helpful if we had essentially a Jewish colony in Palestine that could help British imperialism against all the Arab people. So they sold themselves as the anti-Arab, pro-imperialist force, and that's why... They were given the chance to have, essentially, an Israeli colony inside of Palestine. So as such, they required the support of the imperialist powers, in this case England, to displace the Palestinians over which the British had genocidal colonial control. And the British would allow them to carve out a new settler state run by Zionist Jews. In return, Israel and the Zionists promised to be a loyal agent of imperialism in the Middle East, supporting anti-communism, counter-revolution, and the expansion of the colonial racist agenda most grossly apparent in Israel's deep ties to the South African apartheid regime. Thus, the very Zionist formation of Israel as a U.S. and European imperialist settler colonial project was explicitly based on genocide. First, there was the Nakba, then the occupation of Gaza and the Jewish settlers in the West Bank, then the creation of a two-million-person open-air concentration camp in Gaza, blocked from any humanitarian aid or the right to travel by land, water, and air. The Israeli murders, tortures, and constant abuse leading to infant mortality, suicide, despair, PTSD, inflicted on the daily lives of Palestinian people in Gaza is genocide. Imagine that the Palestinian people in Hamas sought revenge, liberation, and insurgency against counterinsurgency, the simple assertion of the humanity of the Palestinian people and their right, by any means necessary, to fight back, has led to the most brutal of all Israeli responses, the goal to destroy the Palestinian people as a people once and for all, what Netanyahu calls total victory. The third phase of Israeli genocide is the most grotesque and logical conclusion, the mass annihilation of the Palestinian people. Netanyahu and far too many Israeli Jews are not just complicit, but explicit in the plan for the most mass annihilation of the Palestinian people as the next logical act in the Zionist Shanda. Shanda is a sin in Yiddish. This is hard to read, by the way, folks. It's, it's, you know, hard to think about, hard to write, and hard to read. Facing worldwide condemnation and declining support within the imperialist camp, the Israeli ruling class believes that a Palestine without Palestinians is Israel's only solution to the inevitable victory of the Palestinian people. Why don't we play some music, Janine?
2: On my land, on انا land, on أنا أنا فلسطيني فلسطيني, فلسطيني, أنا دم فلسطيني
0: Welcome back to Voices from the Front Lines. The article you were hearing from is by Eric Mann. It's going to be published in the encounter punch. I almost said the New York Times. That's funny.
1: <laughs> Maybe it will. That day. was my subconscious <laughs> speaking. Thank you.
0: One day it will. We'll win that battle one day. Um, but it's the Palestinian resistance. It's winning. The movement must expose and defeat Benjamin Netanyahu's final solution to the Palestinian problem. And uh, before we get back to that article, the song you were just hearing is, My Blood is Palestinian. And for those of you who don't understand, it had really great um, subtitles. And most of the song is saying, my blood is Palestinian, Palestinian, Palestinian. Uh, where will you find me? You'll find me on my land fighting. What about our children? Our children are brave. Where will you find me? You'll find me on my land. And that it goes hand in hand with this article.
1: Uh, isn't it, you know, we always talk about half of the oppressed just have to assert they exist. You That's know, right. just assert I exist. My blood is Palestinian. On my land you will find me. I will never bow to anyone. Thanks, Jenny. Um So I'm going to keep reading on my article. So I now go on to, I'm a long-time organizer in the civil rights, black liberation, anti-Vietnam War, and anti-imperialist movement, still organizing in south-central L.A. today. Everything I do is about strategy and fighting back. We know that during the great anti-colonial uprisings that shaped the history of the world from 1492 to today, the battle of the ideas is a central tactic in the larger war. Winning the battle of ideas is the critical battle in the larger war. Exposing Benjamin Yahoo's monstrous plan is critical to our movement, since he believed that persuading a worldwide audience to accept his plan was critical to his plan for success. Let's look at the article from our perspective of winning the revolution against the world counter-revolution and providing ideological support for the Palestinian resistance. I'd love if community groups could read this, read it out loud, among so many other great work being done. Netanyahu's first prerequisite, Hamas, must be destroyed. Now, these are the words of Netanyahu in the article. First, Hamas, a key Iranian proxy, must be destroyed. The U.S., U.K., France, Germany, and many other countries support Israel's intention to demolish the terror group. To achieve that goal, its military capabilities must be dismantled, and its political rule over Gaza must end. Hamas leaders have vowed to repeat the October 7th massacre again and again. That's why their destruction is the only proportional response to prevent the repeat of such horrific atrocities. Anything less than total destruction guarantees more war and more bloodshed, in destroying Hamas, Israel will continue to act in full compliance with international law. Well, if you're not sick before I comment, I think you are. So, All right, now let's go over some of his concepts, because this is a, an example of an interrogation of a Nazi and fascist ideological assault. The first thing is, When he says Hamas' political rule over Gaza, he said that, reflects Netanyahu's acknowledgement of their political support. Hamas is a popular political organization with support throughout all of Palestine, with the strongest base in Gaza. Its goal is the national liberation of the Palestinian people. It's a guerrilla movement. In January 2006, when the Palestinian territories held what turned out to be their last parliamentary elections, Hamas won the largest popular vote, 44%. And under the parliamentary system, they had a strong majority of seats, 74 for all of Hamas to only 45 for everybody else. As usual with the U.S., European, and Israeli imperialists, any free election in which the revolutionaries win must be overturned. Henry Kissinger said that in deciding why he was going to kill Allende. He said, if the Chilean people are stupid enough to elect a communist, we have no responsibility to respect their election. Hamas carries out armed struggle as part of its overall political program against occupation. Yet it has political rule in Gaza and increasingly on the West Bank as well. This is driving Netanyahu even more crazy. Israel political warmongers know that Hamas is extremely popular in Gaza and has even greater support after Israel's mass murder of the Palestinians following October 7th. So Netanyahu will speak out of his infected mouth with a forked tongue. First, he claims that Hamas is isolated and only rules through threat against civilian population. But then he argues that the vast majority of Palestinians support Hamas and thus, its political rule must be destroyed. In practice, this means all people who are active in Hamas, all people who are friendly to Hamas, and even all people not opposed to Hamas, all those Palestinians must be destroyed. Now, interesting, Nehemiah's use of the word destroy is an explicitly called for the mass murder of Hamas and all Palestinians. Notice that the U.S. and Europe and Israel only used the term of destroy in their war against the Third World people. By contrast, in the U.S. war against German, Italian, and Japanese fascists in World War II, the U.S. never used the word destroy. Instead, they used the language of defeating the enemy or even unconditional surrender. They would never even imagine destroying the German and Japanese fascists. While the US realized that most German and Japanese people were enthusiastic Nazis and fascists, the US had plans to reintegrate and rehabilitate them after World War II into its imperialist anti-communist plan for world domination. The US wanted to create the myth that only a few number of Nazi leaders forced their people into unbearable crimes against humanity. Many have said, I didn't know, or I was just carrying out orders. This was a premeditated formulation so the U.S. could humanize the Nazis and fascists they intended to recruit to its cause. Even in the face of German genocide against the Jewish people, Roma people, and communists, destroy was never in the U.S. lexicon. Proportional response. Proportional response, which never done, is the theory that If you kill a certain number of people, we will kill a certain number of people. If you drop these number of bombs, we will drop these number of bombs. That's what proportional means. He's saying that his response to Hamas was proportional. Yeah. So let's look in Gaza, according to Al Jazeera. We know that there were 1,400 people killed in the Hamas guerrilla attack. So let's look at the proportionality. In Gaza, according to Al Jazeera... The Israelis have now killed 27,947 people, almost 30,000, including more than 12,150 children, 8,300 women. They've injured more than 67,459, including at least 8,663 children and 6,227 women. There are more than 7,000 people missing. Now, it's great about what Al Jazeera is doing. Note the specificity of these numbers. It means you are one of them. You are one of the 27,947 people killed. You are one of the 12,150 children killed. You are one of the 8,300 women killed. More than 67,459 injured. So thank you, Al Jazeera, for this level of reporting because they're not rounding off every life. is a real life that's, being, that's been wiped out. More than half of Gaza's home, 360,000 residential units have been destroyed or damaged. This still Al Jazeera, including 390 educational facilities. 13 out of 35 hospitals are partially functioning. 122 ambulances have been destroyed, 267 places of worship destroyed by Israeli attacks. Every hour in Gaza, 15 people are killed, 6 are children, 35 people are injured, 42 bombs are dropped, and 12 buildings are destroyed. Let's put that in perspective. This is a one-hour show. During this hour, 15 Palestinians are killed, 6 are children, 35 people are injured, 42 bombs are dropped, and 12 buildings are destroyed. We have such an obligation to resist with all means necessary. Now, that's reflective of Netanyahu's real plan of proportional response. As he stated on October 7th, reported in Al Jazeera, listen to this. This is Netanyahu. We will take mighty vengeance for this black day, the Israeli later said in a televised address. We will take revenge for all the young people who lost their lives. We will target all of Hamas's positions. We will turn Gaza into a deserted island. Think about that. So I'm not making this up. He is saying a deserted island. and There will be no Palestinians in Palestine. There will be no Palestinians in Gaza. To the citizens of Gaza, this is to Netanyahu. I say you must leave now. We will target each and every corner of the Strip. Leave where? They're already in a concentration camp. So you have to listen to the complexity of the theory of genocide. It's down to every word, every concept. It's a set of formulations. It's a very specific, methodical, ideological plan. So I'm working with you to specifically and ideologically expose the full level of this genocide. In destroying Hamas, Israel professes that I will continue to act in full compliance with international law. Okay, Netanyahu's forked tongue is engaged in speak. He's aware of the fact that the U.S., Europe, and Israel have contempt for international law. They make the laws to oppress the world. They use military force to enforce them when it serves their interests. And when the General Assembly of the United Nations majority passes humane international laws, the US, Europe, and Israel simply break the laws where the US says, I don't recognize the authority of the United Nations. I I don't care what you vote. I'm not doing it. On January 26, 2024, the International Court of Justice, ICJ ruled on South Africa's charges that Israel is committing acts of genocide against the Palestinian people. Now, this was a rushed decision, an urgent. The courts usually don't move this fast. In the court's view, at least some of the acts and omissions alleged by South Africa to have been committed by Israel in Gaza appear to be capable of falling within the provisions of the 1948 Genocide Convention. The US, England, and Germany all sided with Israel and claiming the charges were baseless. Now, let me just take another minute. The United States is out to destroy the United Nations. They're now destroying the, um, the United Nations um, Humanitarian Relief Department. So the courts have to be very careful how they word things. So it's repeat again, at least some of the accident omissions alleged by South Africa to have been committed by Israel in Gaza appear to be capable of falling within the provisions of the nineteen forty eight genocide convention alleged by South Africa appear to be capable of falling within I mean God, how many qualifiers can you make except for one problem? Israel, they say you violated the provisions of the 1948 Genocide Convention. No matter how you sing and dance, no matter how careful, cautious and cowardly in some way, I have to say the language is, the whole world says Israel has been now convicted of genocide. Now, in response, as the Conversation News Organization summarized, more than a week has passed since the International Court of Justice mandated provisional measures against Israel following South Africa's accusation of genocide. The court's demands were clear, and listen to this, despite all that vague language. Israel must take immediate steps to prevent genocidal actions in Gaza, prevent and punish incitement to genocide, allow access to humanitarian aid, and prevent the destruction and ensure the preservation of evidence of alleged crimes. It must also report back to the court within a month on the implementation of these measures. There's little evidence Israel has changed course despite these clear orders. In fact, reports from Gaza suggest escalated violence and increased civilian casualties each day. So we know right now that Israel is planning more mass murders in the Rafa corridor. This is what I mean. Israel says we, we abide by international law. They lose in court. They kill more Palestinians. Worse as we read this, Israel, having driven the people of Gaza towards the Rafa border, Israel is now planning an imminent ground mass murder against one million Gaza residents trapped by the already existing Israeli assault. Destroying Hamas's political rule. Proportional response. International law. This is the reality of Netanyahu's final solution. Now I'm going to read the second one, and we'll play another song, and I'll finish. The second prerequisite, Hamas must be demilitarized. Get it? The first was Hamas must be destroyed. Uh, Now it's Gaza must be demilitarized. Now, this is uh, Netanyahu speaking. Israel must ensure that the territory is never again used as a base to attack it. Among other things, this will require establishing a temporary security zone on the perimeter of Gaza, an inspection mechanism on the border between Gaza and Egypt that meets Israel's security needs and prevents smuggling of weapons into the territory. That means that in this corridor that Egypt is already on Israel's side. Israel doesn't even trust Egypt to keep that border. It's going to occupy everything. The expectation that the Palestinian Authority will demilitarize Gaza is a pipe dream. It currently funds and glorifies terrorism in Judea and Samaria and educates Palestinian children to seek the destruction of Israel. Not surprisingly, has shown neither the capability nor the will to demilitarize Gaza. It failed to do so before Hamas booted it out of the territory, in 2007, and has failed to do so in the territories under its control today. For the foreseeable future, Israel will have to retain overriding security responsibility over Gaza. Just an interesting point that when Nehemiah says to the Palestinian Authority, which is more moderate, Hamas booted you out. Again, it reflects the power, the political power of Hamas. All right, now this is Eric speaking. The demilitarization of Hamas is an explicit plan for an unarmed, defenseless Palestinian people subject to every form of Israeli barbarism without any dream, hope, or capacity to retaliate. Again, in Netanyahu's twisted logic, the horrific actions of the Israeli defense forces are justified because the Palestinian people decided after many years, decades, and a century of futile attempts to win self-determination, armed struggle is their best means of defense and offense. As the guerrillas fight with meager resources and great ingenuity, the IDF is one of the most well-trained, well-equipped military forces in the world. According to the International Institute for Strategic Studies, check this out, Israel has 169,500 active military personnel. 465,000 reserve forces, 8,000 paramilitary personnel. The entire operation is mandated by Israeli's financial system, which counts on more than 3.8 billion of military aid from the U.S. The state of Israel has between 800 and 400 nuclear weapons. It can deliver them by aircraft, as submarine launch, cruise missiles, and via the Jericho series of Intermediate to intercontinental range ballistic missiles. Additionally, Israel developed the Begin Doctrine of counterproliferation and preventive strikes, denying other regional actors the ability to acquire their own nuclear weapons. Currently, according to Al Jazeera, 800,000 Israeli troops are in Gaza. Please note that we talked about 3 billion a year from the United States. They just got 14 billion more today. In contrast, Hamas's armed forces are very small, but they are strategic, disciplined, focused, and effective. Hamas has a well-developed military structure with 15,000 to 16,000 potential combatants. The al Din al Qasim brigades, Hamas's armed wing, has an estimated 30,000 to 40,000 fighters. Thank God they have a people's army. Despite Hamas's small force of armed resistance, they're winning the war of ideas and the war of political support in the world. The Palestinian people will never lay down what few arms they have to resist the Israeli Holocaust. Now, CNN, MSNBC, and most all other imperialist media call the situation the Israel-Hamas war. At first, I was put off by that. Why not call it the Zionist murderers versus the Hamas War. Obviously a rhetorical question. But after consideration, the constant discussion in the bourgeois media, even if vilification of Hamas, that keeps talking about Hamas, 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 like the Viet Cong before them, is a sign of political, if grudging, respect. It reflects a new portrayal of the Palestinian people in armed resistance. Hamas and the Palestinian people will never be demilitarized. They will resist by any means necessary Israel's final solution to their existence.
3: صوت الهداري صوت الهداري الثوره 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 الثوره, الأحراري. الثورة. الأحراري. <متصفيق> من غزة من قدس العربي من, غزة من قدس العربي من اسر النجمه والتعب من اسر الريح ولا تهبي اخرج كالريح ولا تهبي يا جيل النخوة والغضب يا جيل النخوة والغضب وتدفق وتدفق وتدفق, وتدفق, وتدفق 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 نهرا من لهبي في الماء الصفر وفي الشجر في ارضك ادخل في المطري في ارضك ادخل في المطري منضق السيف الى الظفر فيك السيف الى الظفر وقف تهبوب الاعصارين تهبوب الاعصارين برجاء اداءك يا الهدارين ماري الثورة دو.
0: Welcome back to Voices from the Front Lines. The song you just heard was Stand Up for the Revolution, a Palestinian rebel song. And I only got to catch a few of the the phrases, but what they were saying is revolution is the path to freedom. Stand up when you are born. You're born into revolution and make sure you stand up against you know basically the genocide is what they're not saying but that is what they are saying the article we were just reading again is eric's article about netanyahu's final solution to be published soon in counterpunch and other places i i just want to give some of my thoughts it's deep i mean everything you're saying in between the article that this is hard to read this is hard to write is really real and I think one thing that the article is making clear to me that we were talking about in the break is that the U.S. is giving 3 point whatever billion dollars, million, billion, trillion dollars to Israel. And Europe, the U.K., and all of the Westernized countries are supporting this. Because, to be quite honest, this is the next frontier of Western imperialism. Um, And when you lay out the land, you have... Both a war going on between Russia and Ukraine. You got the war going on between Palestinians and not even a war. I should say a genocide going on between Israel and Palestinians. And then you have this U.S. I I bet you forgot this. Then you have this U.S. Cold War going on between the United States and China. And just like World War II, this is a whole fight over who gets to control the rest of the world and who gets to live and who gets to do anything in the world. The article makes me think about, you know, w- we should care both because we care about Palestinians, but also let's be clear that this
1: is the fight over the new rule and the direction of the world. Right? Yeah, that's right. And thanks, Jenny. By the way, Jenny Martinez is so modest, he doesn't say his name most of the time when he introduces, he just starts talking. So his name is Channing Martinez. Thank you. He's a very modest but very powerful co-host. He's my partner. My name is Eric Mann. And uh, just in the minutes left, I want to say a couple of thoughts. Uh, I don't want to end with kind of a false optimism. You know, And when you talk about strategic (laughs) optimism, uh, you have to be careful in the middle of these children being killed every minute. But you know, when I was so heartbroken in the war, in the war, on behalf of the people of Vietnam against the US government, I almost couldn't sleep. And I'm sure it is partly as a Jew, just knowing that this was the next concentration camp, the next mass murder. And then somebody showed me a book called Vietnam Will Win by Wilfred Burchett. And I read it, and he said, yes, yes. This is horrible, horrible, but the United States will eventually lose this war. I read it, and it changed my life because I still felt just as terrible about the situation, but it gave me some hope. So I'm going to end with this. Henry Kissinger, the notorious advocate of anti-communist genocide, perceptively observed, the guerrilla wins if he does not lose. The conventional army loses if it does not win. Israel understands that Hamas are the guerrillas, and they will win. All they have to do is not lose right now, which is stand up for themselves. Therefore, Netanyahu understands that the only way to prevent Hamas from winning is to kill every last Palestinian, because time is on the Palestinian people's side. Even retired General Mark Hurtling in a chilling commentary that took Israel's genocide in Gaza for granted and only evaluated its long-term success or failure, stated, Hamas has time on its side. Its international support is growing. Its web of tunnels is beyond Israel's capacity to dismantle. It still holds hostages that restrict Israel's options. And like in Iraq, It's one thing to invade, but then the Israeli occupiers are vulnerable to a greater resistance. So when Israel comes to try to take over all of Gaza, what are the people in Gaza going to do? But now they have all these Israelis as a target. We end by just saying we love the people of Palestine. This has been deeply moving for me to work on this. In my heart, I really do believe that we shall overcome someday. is Eric Pan, your own Voices from the Frontlines, my heart goes out to the people of Palestine.
0: This is Channing Martinez, your co-host of Voices from the Frontlines, Wake Up and Smell the Revolution. Thank you for hanging in with us for a really hard article to read to reflect on Netanyahu's real problem, which is Zionism, as we do our part to bring more light to and fight for liberation for palestinians speaking of fighting for liberation we're fighting for liberation while kpfk is fighting to make sure we can continue this radio which is why we need you to call right now 818-985-5735 to give a generous contribution to support kpfk i say it every week kpfk has always been on the case on the front lines of liberation fights delivering to you frontline news on alternative perspectives that will not be covered by the New York Times. It will not be covered by many other radio stations, but it will be covered by KPFK. We need your help to fund and sustain this voice. Call 818-985-5735. And as always, we will see you and hear from you next week. All power to the people.